Bringing Meditation Alive in Our Lives with Neil McKinley on episode number 229 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. By 2018, this discomfort had intensified considerably when it became apparent that in spite of what I believed and in spite of what I'd been told and in spite of what I told others as a leader in this community, that what was driving the situation was really not the teachings and the practice. It was really not the well-being and the development of students, but really the self-centered impulses of the leader. Hello, this is Kimberly Pittman-Schultz author of Grieving Us, a field guide for living with loss without losing yourself, where I help grieving people find their way back into their lives. Dr. Brad Miller is here to help you to grow through what you go through on the Beyond Adversity podcast. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful, and this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. It is indeed a pleasure and a privilege to have you join me today in this journey together as we grow through what we go through to navigate adversity, to achieve our lives of peace and prosperity and purpose. You can always head over to drbradmiller.com for over 200 episodes, which will help you to navigate through depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death. That's what we go for here. That's also a place at drbradmiller.com slash 40dayway, where you can find out more about our course and coaching program, The 40-Day Way which will help you develop your PLP, your Promise Life Plan, help you get through being stuck to finding your Promise Life. You can do that at drbradmiller.com slash 40dayway. Here's a question to think about today. Have you ever found yourself in the midst of a dysfunctional relationship of someone who you consider a mentor, and moreover, perhaps a spiritual mentor? Someone else guided you in a ways to a deeper spiritual understanding of the meaningfulness of life. Our guest today, Neil McKinley, had that situation in his life, and it led him to begin to just to to unpack and to relate about what is the connection between meditation and trauma and drama that happens, particularly if it's been perpetrated by someone we have a, a trusting relationship in. So he had this situation. And he began to try to discover the the relationship between meditation practices and really real life, real life situations and how they can come together. That's what we're going to talk about here today with Neil McKinley, who blogs at neilmckinley.com. We're going to talk about his understanding of what is embodied meditation. We're going to learn the connection between meditation and trauma and what to look for in a meditation teacher, someone who could be your legitimate and trusted spiritual leader in your life. When we come back on the other side of our conversation, which I think you're going to find fascinating, we're going to talk about some of the things that you can do in your life to apply meditation techniques and processes in your everyday life 
in a way that's not too, you know, out there or, or, uh, or uncomfortable, but make it a part of your own experience. Make it a part of who you are in an everyday life. What he calls the embodied meditation. You're going to love this one. His name is Neil McKinley. Let's get into our conversation with him, with Neil McKinley right now. Our special guest today on Beyond Adversity is Neil McKinley. He is a meditation teacher and mentor, a survivor in recovery, and he's all about bringing meditation alive in our lives with what he calls embodied meditation. Neil, welcome to Beyond Adversity. Yeah, thanks very much, Brad. It's wonderful to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for being our guest today. We love to hear great stories of people who have had some challenges in their life and have overcome them and then have something to teach others. And I know that's a part of your story. And in particular, you've had some trauma and some drama in your life and some personal crises. And uh, let's just start there wherever you'd like to start in terms of your story and how some of the experiences you've had have led you to what you're doing today. Yeah. As you mentioned, I'm a meditation teacher, meditation mentor, which means I'm also a student of this work. I'm a student of meditation. And I learned to meditate a very long time ago when I was a teenager and a competitive swimmer. And then probably about 30 years ago, I started to give my study and practice a bit of formal shape, working in a couple of successive communities that were rooted in Tibetan Buddhism, that offered opportunities to engage formal curriculum, long retreats, so on and so forth. And about 2016, my relationship with the second community started to encounter some turbulence. I started to feel uncomfortable with the way that the leader was treating close to student, students. And by 2018, this discomfort had intensified considerably when it apparent, became apparent that in spite of what I believed and in spite of what I'd been told and in spite of what I told others as a leader in this community – that what was driving the situation was really not the teachings and the practice. It was really not the well-being and the development of students, but really the self-centered impulses of the leader. And the extent that he was willing to go to assert these had really created what I consider a toxic environment, an environment characterized by manipulation, by disempowerment, by disrespect that bordered, I think, on contempt so all through was there some sort of abuse was there some sort of abuse involved in or psychological kind of a, spiritual abuse yeah. yes yeah okay. i would say that's a fair characterization all right and so all through 2019 i really struggled with this i struggled with the dissonance between what was going on or what i thought was going on and what i now saw happening right before my eyes. I struggled with the depression and anxiety that arose from having my own inner, intelligent continu inner intelligence continually dis distorted and undermined. And at a certain point, my mental and physical state became so compromised that I had to leave. And that's what I did in 2020. That was the first step to, on my journey of recovery and my first step to the path of purpose that I now have was February 2020. I left that community and that relationship. Interesting. And then you left this community, which I assume you had some, at least at one time or another, some sense of security and comfort and then you left it. And if you leave something, yeah, it's a time of 
bit of chaos and disjointedness. And just coincidentally, you, if I'm remembering my timeline correctly, <laughs> February of 2020 is when the whole world went through a time of discombobulated crisis and so on. The whole world was in discombobulated state. And so you, <laughs> you had this going on personally as well as the impact of everything else out there. Yeah, yeah. So the kind of, kind of the question is, you sound like you're in this community. What by, I want to get, get a couple points of clarification here, Neil. When you say you're in this community, was this a closed community? Were you living someplace or is this just the studies of a teacher type of thing? Or give you the context here a little bit. You've well, said it, community it was, a couple of times. It was a church a, uh, or something like that. I don't know sure what it was. It was a Buddhist meditation community that offered programs both in person, typically in Colorado, and online where people had an opportunity to receive the teachings that were being offered in that context. Okay. Just, in, just be clear, you were not living in no. some sort of a situation. Okay. All right. No, it was a more in and out situation. If you'd step into something and then you'd come back to your life and then you'd step into something and come back to yeah. your life. Go away for rather, and I'm, I heard you say retreats. You might yeah. have gone for like a weekend or a week-long retreat, this type of thing. Yeah, and the main one I did every year was a, a month long. A month long, okay. Yeah. So really extended time. So. Yeah. So you broke out of that, you, to kind of use your language, you left that or it, extracting yourself from that was a dramatic, traumatic experience. And you felt at least some level of abuse, at least psychologically. And certainly you were uncomfortable com comfortable with what you were seeing happening there to others as well. So let's talk a little bit about Dinda. So that was your that was your point of drama and trauma and a situation that you found like you had to leave. What were some of the actions that you took and what were some of the emotions you went through then, Neil? To break out of that, what were some of the things you did? Yeah. You yeah. Well, the first thing is, is the transition point we just hit is leaving. That was huge, mm -hmm. of course. And then the second thing was meditating. And that, given my background, that may seem obvious, but it, it really shocked me. I was so lost and so depressed. I spent a lot of time just staring out the window. I spent a lot of time just aimlessly wandering around our neighborhood. And I think it would have been a perfect time for me to step away from the practice of meditation, say, yeah, I've had enough of this. But what actually happened is I started to turn towards it and it became something that I did more or less every day, I mean, continued to do more or less every day. And there were some interesting things that happened is I started to settle into the lostness and depression that I was feeling. Not changing, not getting rid of, but settling into this experience and becoming more familiar with this experience, which traditionally is known as the first stage of meditation where you settle into tr the traditional term is shamatha. But it was shocking how vivid it was. I wasn't turning towards my breath, settling into my breath, settling into peace or relaxation. I was settling into how lost I was. And the mm -hmm. second thing that happened as I was meditating was that there was this experience of insight that often spoke directly to what was happening to me in that lostness. Again, traditionally, this is the second phase of meditation. It's called Vipassana. But it was so shocking that it was so specific and that it suggested to me that there might be a third phase of meditation where we let the revelation that comes out of our settling guide us into our lives. And because I didn't know what else to do, that's what I started to do. If what came up was that I was tired, I would rest. That I was lonely, I would reach out. That I needed some trauma therapy, I would get trauma therapy. So 
leaving was the big one, the first one. Meditating was the second one. And the third, second thing, third thing that was really effective in terms of what did I do was community. Uh, shortly after the end of the uh, meditative relationship, as COVID struck, which meant 75% of my livelihood left by leaving that former community, the remainder vanished with COVID. And I started mm -hmm. to offer something online, which evolved into this community called the Online Gatherings. And it's a group of meditators that support and inspire one another as we get an everyday sense of what meditation is and do what I just mentioned. Let revel the revelation that arises guide us through our lives. And mm. under the influence of these two, meditation and community, I actually found myself moving through what I'd been through, not getting over, but moving through and healing my relationship with my own inner knowing recovering some trust and confidence that had been so deeply undermined and finding a sense of direction and purpose that I hadn't yeah. had before. So if I'm understanding you correctly here, Neil, you, in your original search, you went into this former community here that you were in and you were searching for meaningfulness in that aspect, but that disappointed you and let you down. And then when you got out of that, you... If I'm understanding you correctly, you chose to face your brutal facts, your brutal reality that you are in. And I think that sometimes that's part of the first part of healing, come to an aha moment. Okay, I'm in this mess. I have to deal with it now. But then you chose not to. You, have, you chose to embrace your depressed state in a way to understand it, but to be actively healing yourself rather than a lot of folks get stuck, get mm -hmm. going to some sort of a downward spiral or they get into some substance abuse or other destructive behavior and you chose otherwise. And I'm interested in for just a minute, I really love what you said about being physically, the physical act of leaving is huge because I think the teaching that I do, action is a huge part. Mm -hmm. Take a physical act. You got to get off of your rear and do something you know, about it. And then, then you have to take the other mental and spiritual and inner life actions as well. So let's go there for a minute. You obviously are a very introspective, deep person, meditation, that's the nature of it. But tell us a little bit about that spiritual element of going to some different, or in your case, maybe deeper connection to something mm -hmm. different than what you had before. I'm going to, how did you connect with a power greater than self to help you to heal and move past your prior experience? And just go a little further with that. With yeah. Me. Yeah. And I think in my previous situation, and this is one of the things that led me to leave in my previous situation, that previous community, that previous leadership relationship, at the end, it became apparent that at the end of the day, the ultimate authority in that situation was one person and one person only. Okay. One person had ultimate wisdom. That was it. And what has and that happened? was that was the leader of this group. This that was tribe, the leader of the if you group. Will. Yeah. Okay. All right. And again, I saw people who had been working with him, and it's interesting. I needed to see it happen to others to begin to see it was happening to me. Mm -hmm. But again and again, I would see the leader undermine the intelligence of the people who had worked with him the longest, most devoted to him and the practices by usurping their own intelligence, undermining their own intelligence. And so, what happened? What's happened in the last couple of years for me is I've begun to connect with that intelligence, 
the integrity of that intelligence in my own experience. And I'm really open to whatever we want to call it. In the Buddhist tradition, you'd call it Buddhist Buddha nature or basic nature. Sometimes it just simply feels like grace to me or mystery. Mm -hmm. But through the work with meditation and community, I found my relationship with this inner knowing coming more to the fore and showing itself to be appropriate to my life situation and trustworthy. And those all sound like big words. But as I said a few minutes ago, it was so ordinary. I'm really tired. I need to rest. I'm really mm -hmm. stuck. I need some trauma therapy. That was the kind of guidance that was coming my way. And the in one ways of understanding the last couple of years is deep developing a stronger relationship with that, where at least in the final four years of my situation, or my relationship in this other situation, it was undermined again and again. Yeah. It's interesting what you're talking about here, Neil. When, and uh, in my life as a pastor of the Christian church, I've encountered folks who've with all kinds of spiritual journeys that they've been on and things like that. And I've studied different ways people have encountered that and related to spiritual bodies, for lack of a better word. And there is what you've described in describing a group or a body where the leader becomes the focus of the group. It's not a healthy thing. And you know what many of us call that, don't you? I do know what many of us call that. And uh, there are three words that I've spent two years struggling with, coming to terms with, discerning if they are appropriate. You, you're, you've touched on one, spiritual abuse. Yes. I believe yes. you're touching on the second, a second, which is cult. I believe what you described is a classic definition in a way of what I've studied at least. So, yes. But go with that a minute. I, obviously, you're, you've thought about that term and about that experience and about how you see it now. So go with what you're thinking there. I'm interested in what you're, mm. you, how you would describe that experience and how you're, uh, you look at it now that you've had the perspective of some time and distance. I mentioned that I did some trauma therapy and the trauma therapy that I kept coming back, going back to was EMDR. I can't remember what the letters stand for. And the person I work with, basically, I sit there and he's got a little thing that moves back and forth and I let follow the little thing and just let experience flow. So it's a way of working with the trauma of being stuck. So experience yeah. flows. We really don't talk about much. We just let the experience flow. And he was very familiar with what I'd been going through. And at one point he stopped and he never stops the process. At one point he stopped the process and he looked at me and he goes, do you ever wonder if you were in a cult? And that's a big word to me. And so I said, can you define what you mean by cult? And he talked about inappropriate, coercive means of control to benefit one person at the detriment of others. And I'm like, yeah, that fits. And it was like a light bulb going on. And it's still a big, scary word for me, but there was a certain amount of relaxation because it was like, yes, this is what I was involved with. I was involved in a cult. And when I think cult, I think of, to be honest, I think of Kool-Aid and human branding and worrying about aliens coming to take us away. And one of the things I've learned is that the way cults manifest is actually as different of, as every one of us as individuals. And so I didn't have any of those experiences. But yeah, I was in a situation yeah. where with inappropriate power structures that tended to again and again, especially at the end, especially with the senior people, benefit one person and one person only. It's almost always in some form you are co coerced in 
some way of which you don't even realize you're being brought into that type of unhealthy relationship. And one can use this terminology not only in to groups such as what you were involved with or Unification Church or Harry Christians or whatever, or Christian groups could be considered that, political groups can be sort of cult-like, but almost always brought into some sense of affirmation. And then it comes to deity, as it were, becomes a person or some group like that. And in order to get out of that, you have to have some physical removal, and then you have to take some time to heal and to some people call it deprogramming, things like that. Yeah. It's always going to be painful. And so what I want to go with you now about this, Neil, is what are you doing now? And what I'm going to with this is how you live your life now in terms of practices or habits or spiritual habits or anything else that you're doing in your life now, your meditation practices and things like this that you have now that may be different or nuanced from what you had before, but helps you heal and gain more peace or productivity or a sense of purpose in your life now. Tell me about habits, practices, things like that. There's a number. And of course, we've touched on some of them. Trauma therapy remains a EMDR, remains a significant part of my life. It's something that I turn back to again and again when I feel stuck and go back to the same individual that I mentioned a few moments ago and we do some sessions. I mentioned meditation. And my approach to meditation has altered a lot in that It used to be very instructional, meaning, unsurprisingly, the leader would say, do this in your meditation. And it's now because that instructional model, which I do think there's some value in, remains part of my repertoire. But I'm also trusting more the immediate wakefulness of my life, that I can just simply relax and be present and trust that. And so that's meditation and showing up in a different way. The other thing that's actually, I mentioned community. That's been huge. This community that I'm part of, I work with, I host. And the other thing that's actually been hugely affecting is beginning to speak to my experience. I did for a couple of years, about a year and a half, no, two years, I offered updates to people who were on my email list who knew about the situation because there are lots of people who've left this community. And so I would just offer personal updates about, here's what's going on for me. Here's how Mm. I'm working with it. And now I'm speaking more broadly to people like yourself and your audience here on this podcast saying, this is what I went through. This is how I'm recovering. This is what it looks like now. And that's hugely affecting. Every one of these interviews is hugely affecting for me on that level. Certainly our audience is all geared towards people who are having some sort of drama, trauma in their life and trying to figure out some way to navigate through that, to come to a better place, a place we like to call place of peace and prosperity Mm -hmm. and purpose. And So a part of your journey, I'm taking it to be, Neil, is that now you have this urge to share your story and to share ways that you can be a part of the process of healing others, serving others. And I take it the part of that is the emotional bond that you have. You mentioned about how your community, your new community has been an emotional and spiritual part of your life. And that's a good thing. I take it some members of your new community are similar, have a similar pathway as your former community, maybe members of your former community and yeah. and you're developed and you have professional help. You have your therapist and so on and people you're interacting with. So that's a part of your healing process. And I'm a big believer. I think Google put out a thing a while back about the most search terms that they have for Google, an actual search engine, most search terms. And one of the top search term recently was, how can I heal? So the hmm. yearning and the the 
yearning is there for healing. And you've mentioned a few words that I think are really important to that. You've mentioned trust, you mentioned grace, and you've mentioned community is all parts of that. So tell us now about what is motivating you now to reach out through podcasts and other things like this. I know you have several items around coaching and serving other people at, at neilmckinley.com. What's motivating you to now to serve other people or what's that all about and how is that manifesting itself? You know, what's motivating me? I actually brought a book with me expecting that this question might come up. And um, it's a book entitled Acedia and Me by Kathleen Norris, who is one of my favorite writers. And this is just a few sentences toward the end of this book. And she writes... If we are made in God's image, perhaps we are also words of God in this sense. And our life's pilgrimage is to determine what our particular word is and how we are to bring it to fruition. Within this frame of reference, we can envision the whole of our life as a journey home. And for me, those words, all of those words, every one of them rings true. And... I feel like that word waits within all of us and that meditation can play a role in developing a deeper relationship with this and that it can be very helpful to have a community of others around us, alongside us as we develop this relationship. And I look around the world of which we are part and I I feel like now is as good a time as any for us human beings to deepen our work in this regard. And meditation, from a meditation point of view, we might talk not talk about the word of God. We might talk about basic nature, Buddha nature, which I mentioned earlier. But to me, it's the same thing. Sure. I feel like there's something within us as human beings. Meditation and the support of like-minded others can help us deepen the relationship with this and then bring it out into the world. Bringing meditation to life is how I often put what I'm doing, educating, encouraging, and empowering people so that we can bring meditation, bring the revelation of our lives into the greater world. Yeah. Let's get practical and pragmatic for a second in terms of how this can be helpful to other people. And what I mean by that is you've had your experience of moving from a place of trauma and drama and a bad place to a much better place. And now you're working with people through coaching and through your classes that you teach and so on. Tell us about a person or situation that a testimonial about a person who you worked with, who may have been in a bad place and now is in a better place because they've worked with you. Tell us a story there about that. I can think of a couple of examples. And I tend to lean towards simplicity, very simple, relatable examples. And I'm thinking of someone who, when we started, you know, these online gatherings I've mentioned when we started this a couple of years ago, they were reluctant to share their experience, let their experience come into the group and be a source of insight, inspiration, and encouragement for all of us, just that human sharing. And over the last couple of years, I've seen them become much, much more willing in that regard. And I've seen others be affected by that willingness. I've seen their life be changed by our work together, and I've seen other lives be changed by that first change 
And mm. that to me is overwhelming. In fact, sometimes we meet three times a week on Zoom. And sometimes after we meet, I actually have to take a moment to just settle and relax and acknowledge what's happened because that kind of transformation, it's not a huge transformation. It doesn't seem like the world has suddenly turned upside down. But that everyday ordinary human transformation that I just spoke to is the building blocks of the bigger kind of changes that are possible for us as humans. Meaningful and gratifying to you and to the people involved. And I just have a working theory that I have in my life and the work that I do that people suffer from the disease of meaning lessness in their lives and are searching deaths desperately for meaningfulness in their life. And every little part, every little step helps in that, any affirmation, things that can help us. And so you've shared with our audience here today, Neil McKinley, some really some great information about your personal experience. And I want to say a big thank you for sharing some sensitive stuff here about your life and about the process that you went through and what you offer to other people. So if people do want to seek you out and connect with you, we'll put some things in our show notes at drbradmiller.com. But tell us how people can connect it to you if they want to find out more about you. You can find me in all the usual places, Facebook, Instagram, Insight Timer, and so on and so forth. But really the best way is my website, which is neilmckinley.com. And I'm a rare McKinley that ends L-A-Y. Because the work I do, this notion of bringing meditation to life, helping us bring the revelation that arises out of our uh, quiet time into the world of which you're a part is a pretty broad mandate. What I offer is pretty wide ranging, including the subscription-based online gatherings that I've mentioned. So the best Mm -hmm. way to go is to wear that broad Offering is housed home is, is my website, neilmckinley.com. Check it out. If you're so inspired, sign on to the newsletter, which comes every month, gives you a gradual sense of what's being offered, what the possibilities are, access to teachings, special offers. And when it shows up, it's a reminder. And people have said this to me a lot. Your email shows up and I may not open it, but it reminds me about meditation. And that is a reminder that meditation may have something to offer our lives. And it's there waiting for us. And it's a great tool to use. And you embodied meditation. So we thank you for what you've shared here today. Again, you can find Neil McKinley. That's N-E-I-L-M-C-K-I-N-L-A-Y. Com, and we will put connections to that, to his website at drbradmiller.com. Our guest today, Neil McKinley, we thank you for being our guest on Beyond Adversity. Thanks again to Neil McKinley for sharing deep out of his own heart and experience, his experience regarding uh, spiritual mentors or meditation teachers and how he's uh, learned his own process here about how to choose the right teacher, about how to be a good mentor to others, and how to apply meditation practices to our everyday life, what he calls embodied uh, meditation. hope you heard what he had to share and take some, have some great uh, takeaways from this about how it can be applied, how meditation can be applied to personal crisis, personal trauma, and you can get help you get on a path of some uh, of personal satisfaction in your life by making it a practice in your life. You can find out more and let's talk about what you can do now. What you can do is go over to Neil McKinley's website, which is neilmckinley.com, N-E-I-L-M-C-K-I-N-L-A-Y.com. 
There he has several opportunities for you there. They include his online courses and his podcast and some other uh, exercises that you can do at his website. And I invite you to do that or maybe be a part of one of his online gatherings and uh, or check out his Bringing Meditation to Life podcast. I think you'll find it helpful. Being helpful is what we're all about here at Beyond Adversity. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. I bring 40 years of ministry experience and a doctoral degree in transformational leadership to bear in my teaching, which you can find out more about at drbradmiller.com slash 40dayway. That's where you can find more about the 40-day way course and, and coaching, uh, which will help you develop your PLP, your Promise Life Plan, a uh, blueprint to get you from being stuck in a ditch to having success and fulfillment in your life. We have over 200 episodes regarding areas of overcoming adversity at drbradmiller.com. We'd have you lo- love to have us join us each and every week and tell others if you like what you hear. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. Look forward to being with you again next time here as we continue to help you and I to grow through what we go through. We'll see you next time here on Beyond Adversity. And remember to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.